Welcome to the Any Given Thursday podcast. We're fired up here at Any Given Thursday because we just watched the Europa League final. Um, our whole year has been culminating to these finals over 60 episodes, David. Wow. Here we are. We have a champion, <clears throat> excuse me, of the UEFA Europa League, and it is who else but Sevilla. They uh, win their seventh crown in 17 years, a perfect seven for seven. Um, And this one just might be the most improbable and impressive, Um, not due to the quality of the team or the football they play necessarily, but for the sheer will and backing of God that takes them to get to this point. Um, It helped that they played Roma. But we'll get to that. Um, what are your thoughts after watching uh, Sevilla win yet another one of these competitions? Yeah, this reminded me a lot of watching like Argentina, the World Cup, or Napoli this season, where it's like it felt like there was something special happening every step along the way. The Maradona thing, man. Yeah, that's exactly what I was pointing to. Yeah, it's like the Maradona was watching over those two teams. I don't know who was watching over Sevilla. Wait, didn't he played for Maradona? Sevilla? He captained them, yeah. Yeah, so, so Argentina, Napoli, now Sevilla. Yeah. Also, like, uh, Bo- didn't Boca win? Boca win a lot though. So yeah, right. But all the teams he played for. Yeah. So uh, uh, Barcelona won the title. <laughs> yeah, the Maradona's really looking out for everybody this year. I know. But spreading doing, his doing love, cocaine in heaven. Spreading his love just like he did when he was alive. Yeah, but, literally, he did that too. Uh, we if don't talk about that, that part, though. If in uh, September you told me Sevilla were going to win the Europa League, I'd have said, "Yeah, that makes sense. They look like they'll probably drop down, uh, and they're a solid team." It's Sevilla. I could see them doing it in January when they actually did drop down. I thought there was no shot. This team looked dead in the water. January, they're in 18th. Lopetegui was the manager of Wolves, mm-hmm. um, who you know Lopetegui won their sixth Europa League with them. Yeah. Um, and uh, it w- really wasn't looking pretty. They they had not so many resources to re- reliven the squad in January. Uh, they looked old and pondering. And there were articles being written about whether they were indeed too, or whether they were no longer too big to go down, basically. Um, and that seemed for like a month or a couple of months a real possibility. You... Um, our dear friend Jose Luis Mendilibar, who had managed mid to lower table La Liga clubs or second tier clubs his entire career, um, including a seven year run at Ibar, most famously, um, he comes in basically just in the same position to save a club from relegation. Uh, he ends up leading them through his first European tournament. Um, beating the likes of Manchester United, Juventus, and now Roma. Um, not bad to have a uh, not bad to have a perfect start to your European career as a sixty-two year old man or whatever he is. Um, it, everything about this is pretty surreal. Um, sixty-two year old man without a contract anymore, mind you. I mean, his contract yeah, right? expired. Uh, at the season he has to be renewed now. And he's yeah, I think I, I think it'd be pretty hard not to. Yeah. Um, 
I don't even know what to say. It's I, I I'm not somebody that uh, that believes in 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 God or a higher power, but uh, Sevilla might be the best evidence <laughs> against that to to contrast that that belief. Um, because this one is just unreal. Uh, I'm still not sure how they got that through that United tie. <laughs> I'm still not sure how they didn't blow either the PSV, um, or what was the other team? Uh, Fenerbahce oh, ties. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> it's nothing short of a miracle. Um, but let's dive into the game here. Oh, before we do that, you brought up the January transfer window where I just want to read out they spent 1.4 million dollars all of that was on Federico Gattoni who they immediately loaned back to San Lorenzo who they bought him from Tough. but they brought in Brian Hill on loan who they did each game in the final better, better yeah I mean he didn't have a great he didn't have a great half but he's been but good otherwise. he looked terrible but he's really played himself into being an assured starter on this team he looks very comfortable I hope for his development, they're able to get him on loan again. I'd like to see him spend another year there. But Tottenham are in flux, so maybe there's space for him in that team. They loaned in Papaguei from Marseille. They loaned in Loic Bade, who couldn't get a game for Nottingham Forest. <laughs> uh, one of their massive number of signings. And now he's starting for Sevilla as they win a European trophy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they brought Lucas Ocampos back from loan after he was struggling with Ajax. And that's really it in terms of, like, players who contributed. Mm-hmm. I mean, just a really astute transfer window there to bring in some of the right guys and then send out on loan. They sent one, two, three, four, five, six players on loan and cut Isco in January. Yeah. So really a little bit of the bad. Plan. Yeah, helped find, like, a real starting 11 to play with. Um I'm not calling Isco fat necessarily, uh, but metaphorically and <laughs> a little physically right now. Remember when they blew? He was gonna remember when he was gonna go to Union Berlin, mm-hmm. and they just sort of blew it. Not Union Berlin, but like the Isco party, like like blew the transfer. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was. Yeah. Strange. Um, signed anywhere yet? I don't think so. No, I don't He's think so. The agent. That's tough. But yeah, why don't we dive into the game here? Mm. Uh, the game finishes in penalties. Sevilla won, Roma won. Sevilla wins 4-1 on penalties. Um, and, you know, it was, it was an electric atmosphere in the Puskas Arena, which shouldn't have been hosting this final. Um, and uh, and Roma actually start the better team for the majority of the first half, you'd have to say. Um they weren't exactly like battering the net with chances, but the chances they did have today in general were pretty, were pretty high quality. Um, the first comes in the 11th minute when, uh, when uh, Spinazzola gets a cutback from Dybala, I believe it was inside the box. Um, and he leathers a chance basically straight at Bono, um, which you should really do better. If you watch the replay, it's coming at him fast. I get it. Bono makes a good save, but uh, it's not the most impressive effort. A player of Spinazzola's quality too. Like if that comes to one of your center backs or Cristante, maybe or Matic, maybe you can excuse him, like just going straight at the center of the goal. But Spinazzola knows how to score. He's 
really, really technically gifted player. And for him to have that chance to follow him, you'd expect him to put it away. Yeah, but then Roma do go in front in the 35th minute through uh we we talked about this um being a possible key for Roma in our preview, which is that no matter like if we no matter how who we think is gonna win, sometimes it's like who has the best player. And Paolo Dybala was far and away the best player when he was on the pitch today, so clearly better than everybody else in the game. Um <clears throat> basically he get uh Rakitic uh sort of gets siphoned off the ball, gets shoved off the ball. Uh, deemed to be fair live. Um, I think that was a fair challenge. The little shoulder to shoulder, and then Rakitic, yeah, uh, like reaches I, across Chris Dante to yeah, try to, to take the foul. I think, and the refs like uh, play advantage. And... Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think uh, it was that egregious on playback live. I was like, oh, they're gonna call that back for a foul. Yeah, uh, I was a little surprised they didn't uh, after the goal went in, but I don't mm-hmm. think it was that egregious. Yeah, uh, and I think they took a quick check at it in the yeah. bar as well and we're like no that was fine yeah. um Matic, the uh, they made a couple the this was just one of a couple of those types of decisions that they that they ended up i think making correctly today um mm-hmm. but maybe some people might feel controversial about we'll uh, talk about after we get through. talk more about that yeah but Matic slides it into dabala who no, it was um mancini it was mancini i'm sorry finishes in with dabala um he tucks it in with his left foot uh, it's one nil Roma at the break. Um, it was almost one one after Rakitic tries to make up for losing the ball with absolutely destroying the ball uh, on like a like a twenty five yard effort that rattles off the inside of the post. Um, so we go into the break one one, and uh, Roma definitely come away with the better chances. Sevilla look like they hadn't read the game plan in the first half. They were getting out muscled. Um, they were just putting in crosses from really deep positions that were <clears throat> completely non-troubling to the Roma back line. Um, they weren't really getting any penetration, uh, and they weren't moving the ball all that quickly. It was like all the things that you don't want to do to try to break down the Roma defense. Um, I know with Mandilabar, like, he's not really going to course correct too much and their solution wasn't necessarily not to whip in thousands of crosses because they still did in the second half um but you could see right right from kickoff in the second half that their pace was a lot better uh their pressing was a lot more uh up tempo and they they sort of looked like they started the game in the second half yeah a lot of credit there too to mandilabar who made two substitutions Mm-hmm. At halftime, brought on Suso, brought on Eric Lamella. And I think bringing on Suso. Grudgingly bringing on Suso, who he hates. Yeah. He uh, <laughs> Suso was the best player in the second half, by far, in my opinion. Because they uh, need, that's what, when, before they just, like, they don't have a ton of, like, highly technical players, mm-hmm. especially in attack. Like, Rakitic is their only guy. You scan through their lineup and you're like, Rakitic is the guy who, you know, fills that FM deep lying playmaker type mm-hmm. role. Um, but like, wh- where are you getting the creativity from? Brian Hill wants to like do take ons and stuff, but he, I don't think he completed a single <laughs> take on like the entire game. Yeah. And when he gets pulled at half, um, and normally starting on the right, Lucas Campos was starting on the right. Normally that would be Acuna, but Acuna was suspended, um, 
from the previous getting a late red in the previous leg, which we talked about at the time being really stupid. Um, because they needed him, they needed him to, you know, take people on on the right and get to the byline and better positions for these balls into the box. Um, instead, they were just, you know, they were very deep. Um, but yeah, I think like bringing on Lamella made a and Suso made a lot of sense. Yeah, and their pace and Suso's quality made made definitely an immediate difference, as you said. And one of the things you need to do against Roma is to draw either Mancini or Ibanez toward one of your toward whoever has the ball. Because when you can get all three of their back line in the box, you're not winning a header. And Sevilla were really... really particularly Smalling, when Smalling is having a game like today, where mm-hmm. he was exceptional. We'll get back to him, I think. Yeah, but Brian Hill was really struggling against Seki Shalek, who is you know, a very sturdy defender for a wingback. Um, he's pretty reliable for a wingback when he's asked to defend. And so Brian Hill was basically non-existent in the first half. Shellac had him pocketed. But you bring on Suso, a player who's just going to do things a little differently, going to cut inside where Shellac isn't able to use the byline as that extra defender. And it is going to force Mancini to engage. And then Lamella is such a threat that Cristante and Matic are naturally going to be drawn to him as well. So it kind of opened up space in that. Physical to Lamella. Yeah. Uh, Hill and Torres don't are just not the, the – they're just not really going to – they're not going to beat you with physicality, I guess. Yeah, and Hill likes to go wider too, which I think favored Shellick, who was able to keep him out there uh, and meant that Mancini could kind of shift further inside and defend the box. Right. Yeah, um, yeah and like we said, it worked right away. Um, didn't take long for Sevilla to equalize. Um, uh, it ends up being a an own goal. Um, unfortunately for Mancini, uh, it's Jesus Navas, the 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 captain, and uh, you know somebody who won his first Europe, UEFA Europa League trophy with his boyhood club of Sevilla when he was nineteen or tw- or twenty twenty. I think he was twenty uh, in two thousand six, and now has is uh, hoisting the trophy as captain for, and I think he was a couple of years ago in twenty twenty when they won too, but. Um, yeah, Navas is is in much better position than to to put the ball into the box than what we've seen before. He gets all the way to the sort of the byline. Um, it's a good angle. He puts in a a, a dangerous cross in towards Endaziri. Um, or excuse me, it's Ocampos. Um, but uh, Mancini just sort of sort of hits off his shin or something. I don't know. It's it's a little unfortunate for him. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's a dangerous ball with pace and either Ocampos or Endaziri, I can't remember which, is going to get on the end of it if he doesn't make, you know, doesn't interfere and make an interception. He's just not really able to turn his body to, um, you know, get it out of the box. I don't know. How do you feel about that? Is he is he at fault there, do you think? Uh, I don't really blame Mancini that much there. He's just trying to get a foot on the ball, deflected away, because it's. Yeah. I think it was Ocampos who was the first man mm-hmm. uh, behind him, but Endaziri's in the box somewhere there as well. But, yeah, I don't really blame Mancini because he's kind of just trying to put a foot on the ball and deflect it. Cause tough he position for a defender. Something on it, it's going in the net. Just takes the bad bounce off of his shin. But this is like what we were talking about before the game and what we just mentioned at halftime is that Ibanez is drawn away from the box. Yep. He's the one who has to come out and guard Navas and Mark Navas on uh, as he tries to put in a cross. And so it's just Smalling and Mancini there. Balls on the ground. There's a little bit of chaos. It's a 
it's like just a mesh of bodies coming together because Sevilla have three guys in the box, Roma have four. So, and they're all kind of converging at that near post and it bounces bounces around and into the net. That's what Sevilla needed to do. That and penetration on the flanks yeah. that they weren't getting at all in the first period where they were just content to like, you know, 30 yards deep um, whip those much less dangerous balls in. That's a great angle for, you know, the smallings of the world to to head clear. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And this one, no yeah. one get ahead to it because it's a low cross. Getting that penetration causes so much more difficulty for the defenders. And it has to be said that Roma, um, I don't want to say they're shaken by conceded because they're so used to just like being able to just like hold teams off mm-hmm. for the 90, you know, once they have the lead. And they just didn't look like they had for long stretches of the second period. They, they weren't really offering much of anything as like a cohesive, you know, force with the ball. Um, we'll get to their, their, uh, their set piece chances, but um feel like i mean they could barely string two passes together at a point here and for the next you know 10 15 minutes after the after the equalizer it looked like sevilla looked the more likely uh to create a winning chance but you never doubt roma from set pieces um pellegrini uh man's a free kick from like it's so far out it's like not even a, uh, it's just more proof that like it doesn't matter where the fucking free kick is. You just want <laughs> you want those big old Roma boys like um in anywhere on the pitch. You, you could be a fucking goal kick and you're worried about them. Yeah, like, they're dangerous. Out of the box. It's insane. No, uh, they have so many guys who can deliver good crosses there too. I mean, yeah, it's a very dangerous team. So at this point, I should also mention that um Dybala has to go out at about this time. Um. He, you know, the reports were before the game. He was fit for like 30 minutes and he ends up giving them almost 70. And starting, I, I was surprised that he was starting. Um, mm-hmm. So he's run his race and he's done brilliantly. But as soon as he goes off, you know, the quality they're able to offer in the attacking phase is suddenly much more limited. Yeah. Um, that said, in the 67th minute, uh, Pellegrini's free kick um, uh, loops into the box. Ibanez heads it down and then Tammy is there like six yards out. Um, he has to sort of side foot it towards net and Bono makes a remarkable save where I don't it, like he's on his knee and the ball is like going through his leg, but he like is able to like block it with his hand in the gap between the leg and the turf. Um, it's a really good instinct save and it's, I don't know. I live, I was like, oh my God, classic Tammy. Like, how can he not score that? I'm not sure he actually did too much wrong there. It's not like he is able to get a full connection. He just has to sort of just like lunge it at side footed. And yeah. he does enough to score, you'd think. Bono just makes an exceptional save. And then the ball is sort of pinging around the box. Um, there's another chance. Um, so I can't remember if somebody hacks at it, but a severe body is in the way. And then it falls to, uh, Falls to Abanez like eight eight yards out, and if he can get contact on it, he has a whole lot of the goal to aim at, and he just scuffs it side foot, not even close to making contact, and it squibbles out of play, and that's the end of Roma's biggest chance um, of the rest of regulation, and it accounted for almost half of their XG in the game. <laughs> yeah, uh, 
that play, I mean, we use FOTMOB for our XG calculations, and they had Tammy's as, since it was on goal, a 0.91 expected goal on target. Mm. So those opportunities, it's tough to turn it on goal, but he yeah. does, and you'd almost just yeah. chalk him if he's able to get that on goal. But Bono... I'm willing like, to say that was... I'm willing to give Bono credit for that rather than shit on yeah. Tammy for that particular thing. If you can yeah. criticize Tammy for today, it's that he really didn't have much of an impact before this moment. Um, wasn't really able to, I think Sevilla did a pretty good job taking him out of, you know, they were doing the hoof it up and he's so good at the, at, at, at laying off or, or heading down to teammates mm-hmm. uh, for counterattacking, um, you know, passages of play, but he, Sevilla did a pretty good job of, of, of taking that away from him, from them, I think. Yeah, I think we saw it a few times in the first half, but in the second half, it was, no chance for Roma there. Uh, it was very. I mean, it was the. It was a symptom of, you know, the entire team's inadequacies in in that. I think they. Yeah, they they got a little too. Uh, I don't want to say they got rattled. I don't think that's the case. But they just sort of stopped. Um. They stopped. They basically stopped bothering with the ball like at all. <laughs> like. I think- uh, this happens sometimes when teams go super defensive is that they struggle then to readjust out of that. Right. And you go into half up one, nothing. And you're all you're hearing is, okay, we're going to defend. This is how we're going to defend. This is the set we're going to be in when we defend when you concede less than 10 minutes right into that. And now it's, you have to completely ignore everything you heard at halftime and start pushing forward again. That's so hard to do to come out of that mental state and to just kind of flick, flip the switch. I think Roma really struggled in this game. And we've seen it, I think, a few times in their Serie A performances as well recently, is that flipping that switch from defense to offense and having yeah. to push again, it's been tough for them recently. But what's weird is that it almost worked. Like, anyway, like, they're just like, well, we'll do absolutely nothing except go ham on a couple of set pieces. And it damn near almost worked um, because of this chance and uh, and a Bellotti chance we'll get to. Um, but, uh, let's quick talk about, um, one of two almost penalty controversial moments in this half. Um, so Anthony Taylor call, uh, gives a penalty on the field in the 76th minute to Sevilla, uh, because, uh, Ocampos is sort of barreled through Mancini. Mancini dangles a leg, uh, Bring, looks to have brought down Ocampos. It's a, it's Ibanez, not Mancini. But... Oh, I'm sorry, Ibanez. You're right. Um, and uh, yeah, Ibanez looks to have gotten him on the leg and brought him down. Anthony Taylor gives the pen. He goes to VAR to check, uh, and he changes the call. Um, now it was a li- would have been a little bit soft. Because uh, there's not a ton of contact. Um, that said, usually I feel like when a referee calls that on the field, I feel like it's rare. What if there's proof of contact, which there is, there's a little bit of contact. Usually, I think it's it seems to me to be rare for him to change his mind on his own decision. You know, it's one thing if he. You know, if VAR is like, go take a look at this, and he didn't call in the field, and he's like, eh. Like, that feels like one of those, usually the call is upheld whichever way you go, especially in the Europa League, where we've seen very soft penalties given. Yeah. Um, 
but I don't hate the no call. I think, I think for the for the spirit of the game, it's probably the right decision. Um, I was just surprised um, at the at the upholding of the call in real time. Yeah, what I I mean, Abanias does clip the ball ever so slightly. You can see it on one of the angles, and when Taylor goes over, he only looks at two angles. Mm. Uh, two replays the first one that showed Abanias just getting a little touch on the ball and then the back angle where you can see really clearly the amount of contact yeah. that he has on Accomplice's leg which like you said it there's some contact but it's not a lot and I think for him that first angle was one he couldn't see at all yeah live, I assume live he just didn't see any contact on the ball because it doesn't the contact doesn't change the trajectory of the ball but you can see Abanias kind of clip it with his toes and send it squirts just like a half inch forward. And then from the back angle, you can see that it's pretty soft contact. So I think Taylor was just like, oh, I just missed the contact. Yeah, on the and ball. to his credit, to his credit, he was quick too. Like uh he didn't take a lot of time to make the decision. Um and you know, we'll 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 talk about Jose later, but uh this was one where he should feel like Anthony Taylor was not against it because uh he made a pretty pretty decent call um and then just three minutes later Spinazzola delivers a cross on the opposite box and it brushes Bade's arm and he doesn't uh, brush his arm it smacks right into his arm it's yeah and basically so Bade is see his body turning away like he's trying to avoid he's like trying to get the hand out of the way sort of I don't know when I saw at his side and it's going towards his side, and he it looks like the, the hand like that the hand is moving out while the body's turning and it's just coming. It's like way later than the rest of the body. Yeah, so it looks I, like to me it looks like he's trying to get the hand out of the way, and Taylor doesn't call this one crucially live, um, and then VAR takes a look at the incident, and and uh, doesn't give it, which again for the spirit of the game. I, th- I prefer the no call there, but I will say from what we've seen in the Europa League for most of the year, that's usually a penalty. Yeah. And they, I think the refs, the refs seem to have some clear objectives today. Um, and I think being a little more, um, what's the word? Giving penalties less easily seemed like it might be on that list. Uh, yeah, just want to clarify to not decide the game. You're just mean like flow of the game objectives, not mm-hmm. like not what Jose Mourinho means when he says objectives. No, 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 no. <laughs> like I think, yeah, no objective as in like uh what they're what they're what their ta- they their tasks they set for themselves. Um, they they had certain things they seemed to want to do, keep control of the game to a certain degree to varying success. We saw, um. But I, I I do wonder like if they had if they had some if they had decided ahead of time that they don't want to give soft penalties you know because there's a world in which you know we're watching earlier in the spring where they give both of those penalties and and I guess you know it evens out either way in this case not giving either or giving both or whatever but um I don't know. That seems like something we might have bitched about in, in, in like, you know, the round of 16. We're like, God, the Europa League is so inconsistent and soft about penalties. So I have mixed feelings. Um, 
either way, it wasn't really Anthony Taylor's call. So, yeah, I was surprised by the no call on the handball. Like, I can see live why Anthony Taylor makes that decision because it looks like a relatively natural position live and it looks like it's pretty flush. It's also hard live with the speed of Spinazzola's cross to see. And they're very close together. Yeah, they're close. The distance is close. So it's like not really any time to. Yeah. Uh, But I was surprised VAR didn't send it down because, but if they do, that's 100% a penalty to me. If Anthony Taylor goes and looks at it, you know he's giving it. Uh, it's one of those that every time a referee goes to the tablet for that, it's a penalty. I don't think I've ever seen it, a situation like that where it wasn't given. So I was very surprised it didn't come down. I thought that one was more of a penalty than the uh, Sevilla Ocampos one. So I can understand Roma's fans being a little like hard feeling, a little hard done yeah, by. Not Anthony Taylor's, uh, not Anthony Taylor's VAR decision. Yeah, um, I don't think Taylor does poorly on those. I do have complaints about Taylor, but we'll get to that yeah. later when we talk about him in a little more depth. But yeah, that wasn't Roman's last opportunity, though, because Belotti managed to get through on a quick free kick, and he gets a little bit of contact with the ball, a little volley, left foot, and it looks like it just misses wide. And you're like, oh, Andrea Belotti again. Why do you keep doing this? How do you keep missing? But Bono gets just a little bit of touch to it, and that might have been what sends it wide. I think it was heading wide anyway. Yeah, uh, it's close. It definitely, still, it's a great miss. save by Bono. And But, yeah, again, we've had this – how many times have we talked about Belotti in this way? He has to do better than that. <laughs> like, he has to get that on target. Uh, For him, it's not even – I mean, I watch Serie A mostly, so I see week in, week out, like he's physically just not the player he was. But even – then he's still getting into positions every once in a while. He's just not turning them in. He has yeah. zero goals this year. That's crazy. That's absolutely this crazy. is a player with 100 career goals in Serie A. Absolutely like, crazy. Clearly capable of doing it. And he's just, everything's gone from him. It's such a shame to see what's happened to his career over the last couple of years. But yeah. yeah. And Tammy, he came on for Tammy in the 74th minute. And I don't know. I know T- Tammy wasn't very good today. And there was a, heated argument about this in the uh in the paramount plus studios after the match but uh as to whether you know jose should have ridden tammy longer because of belotti's ineptitude in the final third and i don't know i have mixed feelings about that maybe we can get to that in our in our in our conclusion when we sort of yeah think we'll do a quick things up with broader strokes um we'll do a but, quick like where do they go from here yeah like, so but basically, we go to extra time, and nothing happens. <laughs> no, there is no, there is no quality football is played for the rest of the match. Basically, um, Just it, people it turns into an absolute aggro shithousery. Uh, Roma was already on one starting in the second half with the amount of time people were spending on the floor, and uh, as soon and then you bring Lamella on, that's not going to help. Uh, so it turns, it just turns into, it turns into a yellow card fest. It turns into people just falling all over the pitch and screaming. And, uh, I'm not sure like five minutes of football was played in extra time. Uh, there so, was barely five minutes of football played total. It was so a lot. insane. They went, they went 12 or 13 minutes, uh, <laughs> into, uh, into, you know, time of extra time. Um, 
at one point also earlier in the game uh david and i were texting and i was like there have been i think three uh brushes to the face that caused players to spend minutes on the ground and one total shot that was like that was like 30 minutes into the game uh so like and you later level... had enough faith that it was four to two after abania yes. caught one of lamella's elbow <laughs> so after uh we talked about this in the preview again pat ourselves on the back um for kind of nailing the preview on this one but not that it wasn't super predictable but like the level of aggro in this game uh and the level of shithousery was maybe i'm not sure i've ever seen a game like this other than maybe you know the the netherlands portugal world cup match in 2006 it was like it wasn't quite that level of absurdity also that referee had a lot to do with that in that case but this was just this was just you know someone running into a brick wall over and over again this was like a, the the normal analogy people would make is or is, or simile is like a you know like a prize fight with two boxers just like socking each other in the mouth i think don't think that's an apt comparison because that would assume you know a certain level of quality of those two boxers <laughs> and for the most part extra time to me felt like like two drunk teenagers like bashing into each other over and over again um just like banging heads until they're both concussed and in the hospital that was kind of uh that was kind of the vibe i got from that from that period yeah it reminds me of watching some of the ufc fights when it's just two grapplers and it's just immediately on the ground neither can really do anything because the others yeah, they just so lie there everything and they just end up like kind of rolling around on the ground for five minutes till they're broken apart and they come back and roll around for five more minutes and everybody is watching is like what the hell's happening down there i can't see anything from the stands or from the tv like grabbing each other's balls yeah or, but yeah it kind of felt like that like just two grapplers just being super defensive and not letting the other take advantage of them and so naturally it was players roll around a lot and we end up with i think i saw it was they played quote-unquote 177 percent of extra time so the ad time was almost equal total to the amount That's of insane. extra time that was supposed to be that's insane so much of not playing yeah they in played total, like a 45 minute extra time <laughs> in total over the like 150 minutes that the game went 80 minutes of the ball being in play 150 minutes is insane <laughs> uh that's like maybe the longest game i've ever seen in my mm -hmm. life and the least amount of football in the game and it just wasn't like you just could tell as soon as we went to extra time we're like we might as well just go to penalties because because I'm not going to watch anything accomplish uh, happen in the next however many minutes we play or pretend to play. I felt like Sevilla were at least in the extra time period. Sevilla wanted to try and play still, but they didn't really. They sort of exhausted uh, their avenues to try to break Roma down by the end of the 90. And it was just sort of like history repeating after that. And Roma looked like they wanted to go straight to penalties from like the second, the 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 regular time whistle blew. I guess like I don't really know why. I guess you know that their technically two best attackers were off the pitch, but um, you know El Sharawi wasn't a hundred percent fit. I don't think, but he doesn't come on until the hundred and sixth minute, and I wondered if that was something Jose maybe could have utilized earlier. Um, but. You know, and Pellegrini goes off 
for him at the 106 too. So, I mean, literally their three best attackers are off the field. I guess at that point, you're just like, fuck it. Uh, our best chance are penalties. Ruby Trisu has a good save ratio um, mm-hmm. in his career and this season. Um, but on the other hand, this is a, this is the big concern that got everybody in the Paramount offices hot and bothered after the game was uh, who was left to take a penalty. Uh, yeah. Three best attacking players off the field. We should uh, say, though, before they got the penalties, Chris Smalling almost ended the game with an absurd header. And like the hundred thirty first or thirty second minute, do you remember that uh Merseyside derby match where it was like, it was like the hundredth minute, and I think it was, I think Van Dyke, and I think this is his first season. He like loops a super towering header and a similar thing. Pickford can't get it, bounces off the top of the crossbar. Pickford like hacks at it, and like hits it right into the path of Divock Origi, and they win one nil. That kind of reminded me. It was like almost that. Yeah, it was almost. I think Abanias was the one right next to it too when it came off of the post. And yeah, he, Bono was beaten there. Yeah, but wasn't to be for Roma. It does go to penalties, and yeah, like you said, Roma had subbed off most of their good penalty takers. But that's. I mean, we'll get to this. I think in a second after we talk about penalties. But right. yeah, this so, is and, uh, that's a great place to end for part one. Yeah, it's going to take a quick commercial break for our all the time. Of Zoom, our time yeah. Zoom is uh, is is over. So uh, that's good news. That means more. That means we've gone forty minutes already, and it, more content for dear listeners. And we're back for part two of the Any Given Thursday Europa League final special. Uh, we left off just as these two League Two esque. Uh, promotion playoff teams went to penalties um it did have that sort of feel of i was thinking about you know the league two playoff final that just happened stockport and carlisle um they both were able to manage a goal on either side of half but once they were level one one there was no more football to be no more quality football to be played it was just like a battle of will and uh physicality and it's yeah it was always going to go to pens um so who steps up first but lucas acampos buries it one nil brian cristante up first for roma buries it one one um eric lamella steps up and at this time i'm texting david surely surely Eric Lamella is going to miss his penalty. There's no world in which Eric Lamella makes his penalty here. He's been on Spurs too long, but he does. It's a brilliant penalty. Um, Three great penalties so far. Who steps up next? But Gianluca Mancini. Um, And uh, not a great pen. <laughs> no. A little straight down the middle. And uh, Bono was able to keep his legs extended as he dives to his left and uh, hits his feet. And it's a miss. Yeah, he's trying to go down the middle, and he just hits it too hard. And it's one of those that if he pulls off a little on that, it's looks like a great pen. It's like, oh man, he sent Bono yeah. off the side, and then gets one him of right those down. situations though when when you have sent him the wrong way, like he doesn't have to go straight. He can slide it anywhere else on the second half of the of the of the goal, and he just puts it right down the middle. Um, Ivan Rakitic steps up next. Barry is it probably the best penalty I saw in the shootout. It was like 
he laces it into the like perfectly side netting while still sending Patricio the wrong way. Um, Roger Ibanez steps up next and he has to, he has to bury them to keep, to keep Roma in it. And uh, Bono makes a phenomenal save uh, diving to his right. It looks at first like uh, Ibanez thundered it off the post, but on replay, it shows that Bono gets fingertips to it. And actually, um, if he wasn't able to extend that way, it might have nestled into the side netting and been a really good penalty or gone off the inside of the post. Uh, but instead, it's Sevilla 3, Roma 1. And uh, who else but Gonzalo Montiel, the substitute, who scored the World Cup winning penalty for Argentina, steps up. Um to do the same for Sevilla. And what happens, David? What happens is Rui Patricio comes up massive. He makes a huge save from Gonzalo Montiel. And then it off the post. Yeah, and Roma looked like they might have a little bit of life. But wait, Anthony Taylor blows his whistle. He's got his, his finger to his ear tip. He's getting worried from up high. And somebody said Patricio came off his line. The Sevilla Europa League gods. I've yet to see a replay, so I can't speak to how far off. They never line. showed a replay. I cannot believe they didn't show a replay. It's absurd. I know. Even in the highlight package afterwards. Yeah, and I've been looking on Reddit and Twitter, and I haven't been able to find one yet. I believe so. them, <laughs> but uh, and uh, Montiel of course buries the retake. Uh, what a year he's had from the spot. Sevilla win. Um, cue the celebrations. Cue the Jose pettiness um what uh is interesting i think about well for one uh every time there's a var uh goalkeeper off the line thing call it brings up like all the old the all, all the goalkeeping antics of old where they're allowed to like run head first at you <laughs> while you're trying to take your penalty like the you know what's his name was it dudek was that his name the liverpool keeper duda Duda from Duda. the from the 2005 uh Champions League final that his his Champions League winning save where he's just like running at them like waving his arms and then he's like eight feet off his line uh <laughs> that one that was probably the most absurd example I know those comparisons yeah. are all, always inevitable when yeah. they're like how did you let that I was like it was legal bro what are you gonna do I mean it, it wasn't but they just didn't call it so yeah it was, i mean it wasn't a it wasn't a rule that they legal like you could just do it no one was gonna do stop. whatever you wanted um so the the natural conversation that comes up um from the from the media panel afterwards after the shootout was quite basically questioning jose's decision making on which penalty takers to throw out there the primary uh argument being that they'd rather the attackers than you know a bunch of defenders and whatever midfielders um i always take some i always think it's a little irritating when um with an argument that's simplistic about it should always be the attackers or whatever and i think i feel like that's a disproven <laughs> fact at this point you know that's like a it's like fake news like it, 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 the club knows who their best penalty takers are like it's not they're not like coming up in real time they're like oh should it be el sharawi no nah, we're gonna put Tristante. like that's not like they know 
who's better at it they train they practice uh so it's not like it's not like it's some random decision and technically being an attacker or not shouldn't really make a difference like like there's probably i don't know what there's probably some statistic that about you know positionally like players what their what their uh conversion rate is but i really don't think position has much to do with it um I 100% agree. And it's also look at who Roma ended the game with in their yeah, level. This is the other thing. Yeah. Four center backs out there, right? <laughs> Rui Patricio isn't taking a penalty. He's not He's not going to be one of your guys. Chris Dante is very good at penalties. He took the first one. That was an easy choice, right? And who is, who's Roma's primary two penalty takers? It's Dybala and Pellegrini, right? Yeah. Already I subbed out. Abraham's probably fourth after Chris Dante. Yeah. Well. would take a penalty. He's off. So three of their top four penalty takers are not on the pitch. So the other, guys that they had, the other options would have been Wijnaldum, who I I've don't think take a penalty. To, up to the penalty. I've never seen Wijnaldum take a penalty. I'm sure he can. Well, actually, he I think I've t- seen him take them for the Dutch. So mm-hmm. I'm sure he's capable. But yeah. is he going to be better than – I mean, Mancini, we've seen take penalties before. Mancini's a good penalty taker. We know this. Like, we've seen yeah. him do it before. We've seen him in win a Euros in a penalty shootout. Like – yeah, and again, it's like it's like they know they they practice. Well, <laughs> hit the broad side of a barn right now, so I would not trust him to. That's the thing. Anything but send it way over the bar. El Sharaway barely had a touch all game. Like after he came on. Yeah, the attackers who are left that you're talking about are basically El Sharawi and and Balotti. Like, yeah, I mean, Bolvi and Zalewski are both children. Like, I wouldn't want to put them in that situation in a final. Right, I'm gonna take a guy like Mancini, who you know is gonna bounce back if he misses. Like Mancini loses, he doesn't care. He's gonna go and punch somebody in the face and move on. And he would have done that if he won either way. Like you yeah, know that I, that's what he's gonna do. And he's so gonna I take guess, in that I, situation. Abanya yeah. is mature and reliable, kind of not at playing football, but like reliable mentally to not fall apart in that situation. Like you don't right. want to put a kid there, but Walti is not trustworthy to score right now. And well, Matic had to come off in the 120th too. So he wasn't able to see through and take a penalty. Yeah. That was uh Bove came on for him. Bove's so I, young. Like, yeah. So I, I, I mean, the only one you could maybe argue in the three spot is Ibanez, but like his penalty might've gone was actually looked pretty accurate. I think Bono just made a spectacular save. Yeah. The only one that's not a good penalty is Mancini's and, there, I totally get putting him second. Like, right? Yeah, he's a defender, but he's a very technical player for a defender. He can make a lot of pinpoint passes. He's been in the situation before. He's got the mental fortitude to withstand the pressure of that situation. So, right. I totally think that was a fair call by Jose Mourinho. Yeah, I like, think it's. I thought that was a pretty stupid argument. Mm-hmm. Um, and and just like excited and dated made some of the subs he did if they were going to play for extra time or play for penalties like yeah. maybe you leave Pellegrini out there instead of subbing him off for I think that is the fair Charles. the fair element of the conversation which is like they look like they were playing for penalties the entire extra time I don't even know how many I don't I don't know how many how many shots did they register in uh in extra time if any I think uh, they registered three actually but almost all of them from headers off of set pieces right it's like they were like, that's our one opportunity is right. when a set piece roll around for five minutes. And I get it. Like he had Jose was in a tough position with some of the with like the fitness of Dabala. And uh I don't 
I don't know about Tammy's, like if Tammy could have gone 130 minutes, but he can never be able to go that long. He'd... Yeah. So like, I mean, you just sort of run out of options if you're them. Um, mm-hmm. They don't have a ton of attacking depth, especially when Bellotti sucks. So like they don't have a lot of good options, but if you're playing for penalties and, you know, three of your four best penalty takers aren't able to stay on the, that's not ideal either. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't know if that's worth criticism or if they're just in a little bit of a tough position there where they just sort of ran out of bodies. I also think the only place that they have depth and healthy players is positions where they actually already have a talented starter. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, you're going to, you bring on Lorente, but then in order to bring him on, you have to take off Spinazzola. Like, Especially so if you want to play with four center backs, then yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> all the places that they could make a substitution, you have to take off one of your better players yeah. in order to do that. Because, like, okay, maybe you want to sub, uh, I guess they did sub Shellick, but like you couldn't take off Matic till the 120th because you don't trust Bove, who's never been in this situation. And then you don't have... Well, Bove actually had a couple of really good minutes right after he came on, yeah. including uh, drawing the foul that I think ended up in that smalling chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, or that's, that whole sequence when Eric Lamello kept fouling people. I was like, no, Eric. <laughs> uh, Bove drew one of those fouls. So I wonder... And we've seen Bove in a couple of clutch moments, actually, in the last round. So I wonder, I wonder if he actually had a little more to give. Um, but that's that's totally nitpicking. Um, yeah, I really don't think, as much as I dislike Jose in many ways, I don't think he had a ton of options in terms of lineup. Where, on the other hand, if you were to criticize Jose, if he had won this match, it might have been his ultimate, his ultimate achievement of playing awful looking football but winning. Um, not just the the game, but the entire run, like the now infamous one shot second leg against Leverkusen. Um, I mean, and this game was so fucking ugly for so much of it. I mean, stringing three passes together was tough. There was a lot of like, it was like pass, pass, lump the ball into the box, cleared, recovered, lump, pass, pass, lump the ball into the box, cleared, recovered. It was it really was in some ways like watching a lower league game or like, you know, an English game from like the 70s or whatever. Um, it really had elements of that, um, which was pretty remarkable to see, you know, at a final of this level. Um, but especially time, a lot of finals do end up kind of cagey. A lot of finals end up cagey, but it's usually like, especially in this modern, this most, this postmodern era, you know, you have the, you have teams that want, that have systems um, that are built for attacking and they want to win a certain way. Um, you know, they want to press a certain way and, you know, they want to win certain battles in the attacking phases, but, and like, so well, Sevilla want to do it there. Mandilabar's approach is a little bit older school too. Um, you know, they do have elements of the pressing game, but the way in which they attack um, and obviously, you know, Jose's whole shtick. So it was, and as soon as the players got tired too, there was really just, there was really like no uh, beautiful, there was no total football to be played at a certain point, which was just interesting to watch. Um, and at this level in a final, you know, um, we're not going to see that at all. I mean, the conference league is going to be totally different next week. Um, and yeah, people are going to play 
modern attacking football. They're going to keep yeah. a lot of the ball. West Hell, Ham Roma weren't like Roma weren't even like this in the this bad in the final last year. I mean, like, yeah, they parked the bus in the when they were holding the lead, but like, I think this was really like a crowning Mourinho achievement. This, uh, it, it's pretty wild to watch. Um, yeah, it was like it's this is like full circle on those Porto teams, but like worse in every way. The team, um, but I don't know. Do, is it worth shitting on Jose? Or am I being harsh? I think you're being a little harsh, harsh on Jose because I do. As much as I don't enjoy his complaining about like not having depth or the lack of investment, because the lack of investment it's bullshit. Like, they have the third highest wage bill in Syria. They just have FFP regulations hanging over their head for some silly reason that is likely not even a real infraction that UEFA was just like, let's just stick it on Roma so people know that we're super serial. Well, bigger clubs like Man City and PSG just get to break the rules willy-nilly. But I think that is part of why they were a little more reserved. But, I mean, they have talented players. Just the injuries pile up on this team, and it happens every single year. I don't like they are cursed, man. Like, well, when you're when your primary have, investment is an ACL tear a year, when your primary investment is Paolo Dybala, though, it's like, you know, that's you know, it's like uh, it's like Kawhi Leonard. It's like he's not he's not he's not gonna miss half the games. Just yeah. like build that I mean, into the schedule. It's not even that. I mean, Dybala's injuries are obviously an expected thing, but my Naldum breaking his leg, like yeah, tearing his ACL. Yeah. Uh, like Smalling having to miss like the crucial run in part of the season and barely making it back for these finals. Like, and let's give Smalling some flowers, by the way, since you bring him up. He was fabulous today. How good was he? So good. He's just so he got his head on every yeah. single fucking ball. Mm-hmm. Now, if I'm uh Gareth Southgate, yeah, I look bad and I say, Fuck yeah. Oh, I mean, that's why I keep calling Harry Maguire and Smalling did it right without the risk of a catastrophic error. Every few Smalling, games, I because he plays for Jose. I like, can he pass? I've never seen him pass the ball. <laughs> no, he doesn't have to pass. And that's, he, the, that's, that's the thing. How is he in buildup? Like, if so, if he was asked to do that on well, team. what I've seen of him, he looks solid at it, not spectacular. But I mean, uh-huh. Mancini's so good at doing it that yeah. Smalling defers the ball to him. It seems like okay. so it would be interesting to see him do a little more of that because. Mm-hmm. I think that might be part of why Gareth doesn't call him up. Also, because I do think Gareth looks down on non-Premier League players. And, like, it's just an extra hurdle to have to overcome. You have to really, really shine. Because, I mean, Smalling and Tamori, as the two big examples in defense, I think are very clearly better than some of the guys that do get call-ups. But, yeah, I get the tactical thing of, like, Tamori doesn't really fit what England want to do defensively. And for Smalling in particular, you just want to see him pass. But... He could come ask Jose if he could watch a practice and just watch Smalling pass. Yeah. But it doesn't seem like something Gareth is going to want to do. Yeah, Roma does have limited depth, as you're mentioning. You know, they had some, like, you know, 19 to 21-year-olds on the bench. Didn't Mm -hmm. make it. Like, they they didn't have anybody else to bring in today except for the people they brought in. Um, So I, I want, like, there's only so much, I think, for actual personnel uh jose could have done um but obviously it's his system and he set them up to you know not play at all 
But yeah. uh, contrast that with Sevilla, who I think in January did a great job of taking out some players and replacing them with the loans. And every player they brought in, I was like, that's a good substitution. I think they waited. I think Mendelebar waited a little longer than I would have. Interesting. He only made two substitutions in regulation, and then he made two at the start of extra time, and then two basically before penalties. So he really only made four substitutions of yeah. the six available to him, which I thought was interesting. And they did all this with Acuna suspended, but they left, I thought, three really, really solid players on their bench as well. Yeah. I mean, Pablo Gomez, Rafamir, and Nz- Nianzu are all players who I would have been like, that's a good sub. That's a reliable player you're bringing on. So I think Sevilla have great depth in terms of maybe not the big difference makers off their bench outside of Suso, oh. like that some of the bigger teams have, but the quality of their second 11 is so close to the quality of their first 11. Yeah. It's a very impressively built squad right now. Yeah. If you had told me that, uh, that Roma would have basically kept and Naziri out of the game, uh, Paolo Dybala would have scored and they would dominate from, you know, their set pieces. I would have been like, shit, Roma probably won. Um, but didn't happen for him. Um, one Sevilla's dark arts defeated their own dark arts. And after the game should mention Jose, uh, stalked Anthony Taylor in the tunnel as Anthony Taylor, poor Anthony Taylor was trying to leave, um, screaming at him that he's a disgrace. Um, which, even for Mourinho was like just the pettiest, like grossest thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was really disappointed to see that. Think that, I mean, like Jose can sit and, and, and every coach sits and bitches about not getting certain calls or whatever. Um, but to like bark at Anthony Taylor like that, I thought was like pretty astounding and definitely unprofessional. <laughs> Um, and he's going to get a big fat fine for that, surely. Um, It was fans. Like, I think Roma fans complaining and bitching to the level that they have been is totally valid. I think there are enough controversial moments where Taylor went against them that they're well within their rights. Was there though? There was just the handball and he didn't make, and he wasn't the VAR. Like what, like he dished out seven yellows, but yeah, he gave six yellows to Sevilla too. It's not like. To be fair though, I think the yellows on Roma were to players who mattered a little more. I mean, half the Sevilla yellows were did not most of they mostly deserved or, it. Didn't they? Like I didn't, I didn't, there weren't many where I was like, Oh, he shouldn't have, that was a egregious yellow card to give out. You know, I think the Mancini one stood out as a bad yellow. Mancini was going to pick up a yellow later on though, but like, I mean, he was going to get a yellow eventually. I just think Taylor was a little early on the yellow to Mancini, but then I also, generally think Taylor did a poor job of controlling the flow of the game. And I think he allowed Roma and Sevilla both to lean into the unsavory side of the game. And I think the dive catch was great. That's more fair. Uh, Yeah. I don't think there's anything other than the handball that you're like, that's a terrible call by Taylor. If you're a Roma fan, Uh, obviously I think think like a 65, 35 call where I was surprised it wasn't given, but I'm not like that's unacceptable. Yeah. Um, and then just generally, I think he did a bad job of controlling the flow of the game. He allowed things to get a little too chippy. He allowed himself to be surrounded by Sevilla and Roma every time there was a foul call. Oh my God, Roma. 
Roma, like at one point had like all, I swear they had all 10 outfield players around him. <laughs> it reminded me of uh, the PSG were playing somebody in the Champions League back when Zlatan was on their team. And literally 10 players are surrounding the referee except Zlatan, who was the one who was fouled, who was like standing over, wandering around, just like. That's my, like maybe my least favorite thing that like players do is mm-hmm. uh, I think it's really obnoxious. And I, I think it's probably more fair about the, the control of the game. Um, but I guess the counter argument would be that how do you control that game? You know, like they were always going to be in, get in the mud. And I think my guess is the refing body, their approach to this game was to try to balance the, or to try to, I'm not surprised they gave out yellow cards early, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Because I feel like they probably would have been like, you know, they saw what Roma got away with in that Leverkusen game for time-wasting. They saw the aggro-Sevilla stuff with Juve. And I think there, I would would not be surprised if Anthony Taylor had a directive that was like, that was like, keep order. If you have to like set a t- mess, send messages early, you know, do it. Um, I don't know. I'm speculating, but I did sort of get the vibe that he was like, he was there to like police a little bit. Um, and that said, I'm not sure that was necessarily effective because you know there was plenty of that anyway. Um. I do think it would have been hard uh, to control these teams. Um, I think there's just a respect factor that referees get. Yeah, also fair. It's hard to get respect when Jose's already decided you're the devil. Yeah, (laughs) it's a terrible decision to allow Anthony Taylor to referee this game, just in general. Because he and Jose have a past. Like, they've gotten into it before. I mean, to allow a referee who has previous issues with the manager, even if you – think like okay it's anthony taylor he'll be unbiased like i'm not saying that anthony taylor was going to be negative toward roma but jose is going to tell the roma players like look at all these bad calls anthony taylor made against me in particular he hates me he's going to be so tough on you it's going to impact the way that they respond to the referee early in the game this was a mistake by uefa to allow him to referee the game not for his quality not for potential bias but because he and jose have a past i just and the it's, thing is, like, they're they're into think, those things. You just pick somebody else and let Taylor do. I guess Taylor can't do either of the other finals. But like, you know, he's a referee earned. I guess theoretically, even though I know Premier League fans also don't really like him, that he's one of the higher quality refs in England. So he's earned the right to ref these big games. But he's no Michael Oliver. Yeah, but if uh, he has a pass with the manager, don't give him the game. The thing is, I think some of the gripes are fair, but I actually think in general, he did a pretty good job. Like he didn't make any egregious calls. Like he, he probably did the right thing in overturning his own penalty quickly and efficiently. He didn't call the hand on the field, but then that was up to VAR to send him over. Not, not so much him. Like there weren't really any calls Mm. actually Uh, in the, that I found to be that insane. So yeah, like, one of the well, things that did stick out to me though was when Zalewski was taking a tactical foul on, I think it was, was it Montiel who he was trying to hold up? He's trying to hold up somebody, and Taylor just doesn't blow his whistle for like ten seconds while Zalewski is draped on him, and then obviously the Sevilla players just like shoves him, mm-hmm. and Zalewski gives a little like what like 
that's one where you just blow the whistle right away. Like, I think that was just, that kind of fit into the flow of the game and the control of the game thing that I thought Taylor struggled a little bit with today, but not to the point where I'm like, oh, he shouldn't ref another final like some Roma fans will yeah. be. And for me, like, generally, I think, like, it, some of it is, you know, if that's the level of criticism, then then it's not the end of the world. And I think for Jose, especially, like, if there was something, like, really, really egregious that was directly on him, like, you'd almost be like, well, you know, Jose's passionate. But for there for it to have played out like that and for him to still go and to go after Anthony Taylor like that, I thought was, like, like even for Jose, like, pretty shockingly classless. Um, again, for the situation where the ref really didn't like where it wasn't really him deciding the game again if he wants to quibble with var that's one thing uh mm-hmm. but yeah it was the sort of game where people on the bench who didn't who didn't even make the game were yellow carded both rafa uh rafa mir and rick karsdorp uh received yellow never entered the game got his yellow before he got in the game <laughs> yeah yeah oh yeah yeah that's funny Came on with the yellow card. Yeah, he came on with the yellow card. That's that really sums up the game. Um, yeah. Should we talk about where these teams go from here? I mean, I guess it's easier to start with Roma since they seem a little more. Yeah, yeah Roma had a lot riding on this one, um, but you know, having fallen out of the top four race in Italy, and even you know, it's at the point where even making the Europa League could be difficult for them. Um, Looks like they'll be in the conference league. Yeah, seventh know. seems most likely. Has big financial ramifications for them. Obviously, if they were able to make the Champions League, um, you know they could have eased some of these financial issues, and maybe tried to invest a little bit more. Um, but now with the with them being, you know, without that financial incentive, I do wonder about Jose's future a little bit with the club. Um, especially because he's already started his cycle of, you know, bitching about what the club is willing to buy him. Mm-hmm. Usually that signals the beginning of the end. Um, and the winning this tournament was sort of a get out of jail free card, you know. We've actually seen him do that before, like with when he was with United, his first season. His it wasn't his full season, I don't think, but he he came in and he didn't feel he could get the club top four quickly enough. So he was like, "Fuck it, we're going all in on the Europa League." I think they finished fifth in the league and then they won they beat Ajax in the final. So they did make the Champions League. And uh David, are you masturbating? No, I'm petting the dog. Oh, let me see the dog. Serious, come here. This Sirius. is part of it. This is part of the pod. Sirius. Hi, Sirius. Look at Max. What's up, buddy? Laptops, oh, what's up, buddy? You don't understand laptops. No, he doesn't do screens or recorded voices, apparently. Hey Sirius. Hey Sirius. Sirius, do you wanna you want a treat? Serious. You want a treat? Did you hear that, buddy? <laughs> He's just staring off into the distance. Oh, good boy. Good boy. This is all staying in. This is all staying in. Um, You're a very sweet boy, but I got to record. I'm going to finish podcasting. Play with Lucia or Nala. Go find, one of the, go find one of the girls. I lost my train of thought. Okay. This is a professional show. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Roma without the... Champions oh yeah, with that incentive, yeah. Jose seems maybe, maybe he'll stay, maybe he won't stay. It seems a lot more up in the air. 
Uh, but there are definitely some spots that Roma are going to need to make changes on. I'm looking at the roster right now. And the first thing that sticks out to me is that uh, El Shrawe is listed as a defender on this, <laughs> which makes zero sense. Um, he looks like he'll probably be leaving, maybe back to Milan as Leal's backup. That's a rumor that's been going around, but maybe down to a lower team in the table just to start. But they definitely need a new player in attack. They need somebody there to challenge Tammy. Uh, because Belotti just can't do it, and Belotti can't be your backup. They have Shamordov on loan at Spezia, but he's only scored one goal for Spezia in 13 games, so he's not the answer. Mm. Um, in the midfield, Matic and Wijnaldum definitely need somebody to replace one of those two. Uh, I think they have some good young talent in the midfield, so I'm not too concerned there. Back line is good. Um, maybe in Abania's upgrade, but then I, I really think it's another attacker and a goalkeeper are the big spots for Roma that if they get the Europa League, they should have the financial ability to upgrade on there. And then it's just, once again, making sure that they can push and really try to get back in the Champions League because Inter, Milan, Napoli, Juve next year look like they might be pretty solidly a top four. Like it's a tough group to break through. In this Italy was a right big now. chance for them to get in the top four because of the sort of uh obviously Juve with points, penalties, um Milan and Inter going deep into the Champions League and struggling with rotation. Um this was and you know Lazio is Lazio. This was kind of the year. Um mm-hmm. it's assuming now that you know Milan is back in the Champions League, they seem to be investing a little bit. Inter still has arguably the best eleven in the league. Yeah. Um, yeah. Inter- champions and are full of young, awesome players. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and you know, Juve basically had a bad a couple of year stretches they could possibly have, uh, for a club of their stature. So it's not gonna get any easier to crack those to crack those positions. And Roma just don't really look like they have the squad to do it. You mentioned goalkeeper, yeah. I mean, Patricio had an all-time bad, uh, you know, advanced stats year <laughs> in that um, he didn't end up being the, the reason they lost. So I guess that's something. <laughs> but he's def- and he's 35, so he's definitely not your long-term solution. Um, yeah, it's, it's look, the future's looking. They've had an unbelievable two years, obviously, in cup competitions um Mm. in the in europe yeah and jose obviously gets all his flowers for that um but yeah the future is a little murky for them yeah it feels like a flashpoint for them like can they reload address the spots of need and get back into the top four race or do they kind of slip back and be more of that atalanta maybe the fiorentina who have a pretty young Mm -hmm. exciting team, maybe that group of teams instead so i think this is there's some flux there for roma but sevilla with the Champions League money, are going to have to put that to use. That's a big deal for them, yeah, because yeah. they're not going to finish top seven in the league, they mentioned, and their squad is still kind of a mess, you know? Yeah, they have 11 players on their squad that are 30 or older as well. And I feel like that- they have a lot of – they just have a lot of, like, good squad players. <laughs> and, like, other than En Naziri, who's, like, really stood out, Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't have a lot of guys who you're like, oh yeah, like 
top four quality starter. Yeah, and all their young players are loan players. Mm-hmm. That's what they brought in on loan. So Brian Heal, Lloyd Bade, although it looks like they will redeem something there. Like, it looks like they're going to buy him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so I definitely think there's need for reinvestment in this team and putting that Champions League money to good use. I think we could see another rough domestic season for Sevilla next year. Possible. Possible. There will be a lot of moving parts. So they'll probably... Not it won't be as bad. I doubt they're ever in the relegation zone. They're not that kind of team. But I could see it being another mid-table finish, but probably win the Europa League again. <laughs> yeah, they do. Uh, they their biggest target next season should be finished to, to to finish third in their Champions League group. Yeah, um, that's really important for them to keep that Champions League money going. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's part. It's the natural cycle of life at Sevilla. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um. But, uh, you know, not our problem anymore. They're in the Champions League. Maybe we'll see them next January. But uh, it's it's time to wave goodbye. Wave goodbye to Sevilla for the time being. On to better things for now. For now. Um, yeah. Well, I think we've done it. Yeah. I think Have any, any final thoughts here? Uh, just uh, on the the competition. Really the really exciting tournament. Um, I want to bring up the fact that I'm pretty sure my round of 16 and on bracket was perfect for every game that did not involve Sevilla. <laughs> but wrong in every chance that Sevilla showed up. Uh, yeah. We finally got it right the last two rounds and picked him. Yeah. Um, uh, never but... do, I'll never do it again. I'll never make the mistake again. Yeah. Uh, so congratulations to Sevilla, capping off an incredible tournament. Uh, Mendel Bar is going to go down in history. This run will go down in history. It's one of the most unlikely and uh, just impressive runs in European competitions. I think this is going to be up there with like the Fulham one when we look back in 20 years and are like, how did they manage to do this? So. Impressive worked by Mandelabar to turn them around as fast as he as he did on a like a three month interim contract. Yeah. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Biggest job was Ibar and Alaves. So um, I don't think there's anyone else we should be cheersing to. Um, even though we've cheers to him twice before. Yeah. Uh, well, he just won the cup. It's only natural. Time for his did. one shining moment. Um, and so with that in mind. Well, just let everybody know we'll have a preview pod coming out for the conference league final, which is again on Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, use a laptop to adjust that to your local time if you're not from the East Coast of the U.S. Um, but... Yeah, we'll be back with a preview pod for that. Until then, it's just cheers to Jose Luis Mendilibar. Cheers to motherfucking yep. Jose Luis Mendilibar.